Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. As regular listeners of the Randy Report podcast know, I've often referenced what I call my other life before becoming a journalist. Before that, I was an actor working in New York City performing in Broadway shows and national touring companies. My first big break in New York City after struggling for a long time came when I was cast as the magical Mr. Mistopheles in a brand new national touring company of Cats, then known as Cats National 3. For those who may not know, back in the day... Cats, in terms of box office, was the Hamilton of its day. When we went out on the road, we were sold out weeks and months before we would even arrive in a city. And we were the first company that major national cities across the country like Dallas, Atlanta, Memphis, Houston, Miami, Cleveland, Hartford, Denver, Phoenix. We were the first company of cats that the country got to see in many ways. There was the first national touring company, but they sat in places for like nine months to a year and basically played Boston and Washington, D.C. and Chicago just about. But we saw the entire country. It was a really heady time for me in my life and truly living the dream. But in the middle of that dream, as we were crossing the country as a little jellical troop, the AIDS epidemic was rapidly, rapidly approaching its peak. Ultimately, there would be cast members, our dance supervisor, passing away from this deadly virus. And we wanted to do something. One day, Tony Award-winning director-choreographer Michael Bennett, who had created A Chorus Line and Dreamgirls and Company and Follies, had passed away and it was just too much for us. So we decided we would put together a gala charity performance event to raise money for those affected by HIV-AIDS. So we came up with a plan to perform vignettes, songs from these musicals like Company and Follies and A Chorus Line and Dreamgirls. As a matter of fact, our opening of the benefit was the entire opening number from A Chorus Line. And the finale was the entire finale of A Chorus Line. After turning in our performances at Cats every night, we would go back to our hotel, whether it was the Hyatt or the Hilton or the Wyndham or whatever we were staying in, and we would sneak into empty ballrooms and meeting rooms to rehearse these little segments. And then on September 21st, 1987, at the Uptown Theater in Kansas City, we put on our little show and we raised over $36,000 in one night, which still blows my mind to this day. I found a calculator online recently and put that figure in and adjusted for inflation, that would be about $82,000 in today's dollars. Now, there's a reason why I shared that story. Fast forward to today, and the world is facing the coronavirus pandemic, another viral health threat. And out of the blue, one of my cast members from Cats, all those years ago, 32 years since we closed, reached out to us and said, Hey, does anyone want to put on a show and help some people? And so we did. After a few months of planning and emails and Zoom conferences, my very first ones, we have put together a presentation titled, With Love Now and Forever, Cats for COVID Relief. We do a new reimagined version of the opening number, Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats. There's a fun, spooky, Halloween-y reading of T.S. Eliot's poem, The Naming of Cats. 
We also do tributes to the Actors Fund because the money raised from this event will go through Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS to their COVID-19 Emergency Assistance Fund, which benefits the Actors Fund. Now, for some people, you may not know that the Actors Fund sounds like it helps just actors, but that's not true. It helps everyone in the entertainment industry, whether you're an actor, a musician, a stagehand, a box office person, or wardrobe personnel. Anyone who needs help, this fund will help them get through and address some of their financial issues due to the COVID-19 health threat. Also part of this video presentation is our original Grizabella, now Grammy Award winner Leslie Ellis, has recorded a spectacular new take on the show-stopping song, Memory. And the moving video tribute that accompanies Leslie's new recording was produced and edited by our youngest cast member, Matt Zarley, who are going to join me to talk about what it was like to rejoin and reunite after all of these years as members of Cats National 3, what this process has been like and what it kind of brought back to us revisiting the material. We also get into what it was like to do the show back in the day. We were all young, but we've never actually kind of explored how it hurt our bodies, but also it lifted our spirits and the friendships we made and a lot of topics. Now, one quick note about this event. It premiered on broadwaycares.org slash catsbenefit last Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Due to some of the Actors Union restrictions, I'm told it can only remain up on the internet on broadwaycares.org through October 28th. I'm recording this on October 27th. I've been trying to get to editing this chat with Leslie and Matt, but I've also been promoting the event itself, which, by the way, has raised $20,000, and we're thrilled to death. So thank you, everyone who's watched it and donated. What we do together makes a difference. But... It comes down tomorrow, October 28th. So if you would like to see the video presentation with love now and forever, Cats for COVID Relief, you can go to broadwaycares.org slash cats benefit. I'll also have a link to the segment that Matt produced featuring Leslie Ellis and Christine Toy Johnson doing memory in the show notes. But for now, let's take a listen to our reimagined, virtually recorded from 40 different places across the country via the internet our new take on Jellicle Songs for Jellicle Cats, and then we'll talk with Leslie Ellis and Matt Zarley. Tington's friend, the Pipe Piper's assistant. Have you been an alumnus of heaven and hell? Are you mean like a mix? Are you lean like a lynx? Are you keen to be seen when you're smelling a rat? Were you there when the pharaohs commissioned the Sphinx? If you were, if you are, you're a jellical cat. Jellical songs for jellical cats. Jellical songs for Ellis and Matt Zarley, as I live and breathe, I am getting to see your faces as, as I do this. How awesome is that? I never get to do this for a podcast. This is fun. This, this project has been such a godsend so that we could all get to know each other again. Isn't it amazing how we find those that familiar feel, that connection, that we, we recognize someone's humor, we recognize their pause, 
we uh, not their paws, but their paws. If you were seeing that podcast listeners, you'd know how funny I just was. But <laughs> but we recognize each other. Like the first Zoom meeting we did where there are like 30 of us, it was like all these faces and we all kind of recognize each other. I know Leslie and I have talked about how uh, Jonathan Cirillo, our director and producer on the event, we immediately fell into Joan and him being Joan and, and all of that with love. And just all of us kind of found ourselves 30 years ago. Yeah, it, 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 for me, it was, I mean, revisiting one of the greatest times of my life and one of the richest times of my life in a lot of different ways. music, Which was special. You know, Deb and I have become so close during this. Deb, who's doing our marketing, because she's gone on from being a fantastic dancer, actress, singer, uh, to um, becoming a marketing director. So we've become really close. And I didn't even, you know, in some ways it was hard for me because I was kind of separated from everyone. You know, that is something that people... Yeah, you're very isolated, sure. Yeah. Tommy was like that too. I've spoken to Betty Buckley about that very thing. And I've spoken to, to Elaine Page. Part of the reason why Elaine Page didn't stay longer than she did is she said, you just, when you're Grizabella, like you were Leslie, it's like, you, you're like in your own show almost. And you you have your that time in the dressing room and we're out there and then you would come on and everyone shuns you. So there had to be like some emotional stunting by that alone. Cause every time you came on stage, we would just all run away. It's wild. You guys really. all had like a tight knit friendship because you know, it started back at 890 studios. It, it, I was off with Stanley and David and you guys were with Tom. And then every now and then we'd all get together for a group thing, which was either the end or, you know, if I didn't have Michael Osteen, I would have probably never gotten to know anyone. And it's not that I felt elitist. I was a kid. I was just, it was crazy. You, I felt like more of a connection with you and our stupid silliness. We had stupid silliness backstage, yeah. which I appreciate. I appreciate that. Uh, I hung out with the guys backstage. I hung out with Moose and Big Larry. <laughs> right. I don't know if I ever got a chance to tell Michael Osteen this, but you know, I got my equity card with Michael doing West Side Story at Pittsburgh Civic Light Opera oh, in 1984 wait, when he wait, was Riff. I saw you. I was I was Snowboy and I was totally, totally uh, intimidated by Michael and his talent. And at, during the Cats auditions, it was... Michael and me and one other person who didn't get hired. I forget who it was, but it, it, they, there were callbacks. There was just me in the wings and Michael in the wings and one other person. We would come out on stage alone at the court theater on Broadway and do turns in second. Yeah. And at one point I was given, I, I, they said, call if you get a job. And I had gotten a job in a summer stock tour of Jesus Christ Superstar, I remember. And so I called Johnson Lift and they said, hold on. They called me back and they said, this is back when we're in the middle of like six callbacks. And they said, we're going to hire you. We don't know if it's going to be as a swing, as Pounceful or Mistopheles or Mungo Jerry, but we'll hire you. Is that good enough? I said, well, that's really good enough. Yeah, I just want to yeah. I just want to stop waiting tables. When I was cast, I remember just thinking, wow, and Michael Osteen was was in the, and Michael was one of my covers. And actually Matt was one of my covers too. 
Yeah, I remember Matt. Matt was amazing. You were awesome. Matt, you were amazing for everything you did in that show. Sorry that it broke your back. You're so sweet. <laughs> well, I thought I thought I should have been starring in the show, I think, at 17. You know, I had I had like it's funny, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day about the, how the business, how when you start out in the business and you're young and you just have, you're fresh-eyed and everything is possible, you're under the impression that like, I'm talented, I've worked really hard, I'm a good person and I, I, I'm dedicated and you get your first job, like, well, that's how it is. I mean, that's naturally how it's all gonna work out from now on. Right. And it felt like for me, like it felt like the first couple of years for me, that's kind of how it was. I didn't take it for granted at all. I mean, I, I felt like I worked for it and I, and I really appreciate it, but I didn't realize that's not how it is. That's not how it works out ultimately. You I don't think I mean? any of us did. I mean, I went back to New York after doing Grisabella and I thought, okay, what's next? Yeah. You did City of Angels, right? Did you, did you oh, well, Angels? first I was out of work for a year and then I did like a chorus job so I could get my, you know, health it's insurance. Nice. Mm -hmm. And then I got an off-Broadway show. You know, I mean, it wasn't. I like remember that. Rothschilds. Rothschilds. Yeah. Where did you do Rothschilds? Where was it? It started out at the American Jewish Theater. And oh my God. AJT, and then we were bumped up to the Circle and Square downtown, which is now condominiums. I choreographed the revival of Rags at AJT. Oh my God! Isn't it the greatest? It was the I, best. I, I, I talk that. about it in our show, and I say I even did a show in the basement of a supermarket on the corner of 26th <laughs> and Ninth Avenue. There may or may not have been rats involved. And there may or may not have been a McDonald's above there as well. You know, it is funny, Leslie, you mentioned how, like, you think you're kind of set after Cats and that whole thing. And, you know, I was Mistopheles. I remember it was supposed to be a big deal that I was Mistopheles. And I went yeah. back to New York thinking, okay, my future's set. And I didn't yeah. work for nine months. I did not, and I thought, hello, I'm waiting, <laughs> I'm waiting. And then I did, I, I booked uh, a national tour of a course line. And then from there, things kind of became more regular. But, you know, you kind of did think, because since Cats was kind of the Hamilton of its day, yeah, like we we would sell out months before whatever we, before we got to a city, whether it was, Houston or Dallas or Atlanta or Memphis. Do you guys remember how how great we were we were treated by the general managers? I mean, remember that they gave us raises like every six months and they'd give us gifts all the time and shit. I remember jo Joanne Hunter and I were like, did we just get a raise like after six months? We're like, how are we getting really? Oh, you know what I came to know is we had the best company managers in the world on. Oh, the best. And so Brian Lidicote and just so everyone. And what I never knew was the stuff that they were doing. Stop it. They did not. Uh, Stop it. You have the robe on, Leslie. How do you still have that? I took care of it, kids. Well, wait a minute. I left mine in a hotel. Oh, no. Matthew? I know. Aw. Bummer. Sorry, bud. Hey. Hey, now. Uh, I have a tail. You have your tail? I, I lost my tail. My rehearsal tail. Uh oh. oh Matt's no, pulling out the course line top hat. You guys, <laughs> shoes from Broadway because she covered it. I don't even have my Grizz shoes. I'm so pissed. I want my Grizz shoes. Wow. Yeah. Needless to say, I do not have any patent leather toe shoes from <laughs> from Miss No. <laughs> so. 
talking about this event we're doing today, when, when someone called you and said, hey guys, remember when, for the listeners, I, I wanna just share that uh, this event that we're doing this, this month as, as a company goes back to 1987. It was the height of the AIDS epidemic and, and people were passing and people we knew were passing. And Michael Bennett, the director choreographer of A Course Line and Dream Girls and everything had passed. And we decided we wanted to do something and so we decided we're going to put on a show. Now, this is way before Broadway Cares, Equity Fights AIDS. So there we are putting together this tribute to Michael Bennett's work. And what we did for weeks is we would do Cats at Night, and then we'd go home to the Hyatt or Hilton or whatever we were in, and we would, like, sneak into ballrooms or meeting rooms and rehearse stuff. And then uh, on a September 21st, 1987 at the Uptown Theater in Kansas City, we did this benefit and we raised $36,000 in one night. Now, I really want to stagger your mind. I found an inflation calculator and adjusted for inflation, that would be raising $82,000 in a night today. Oh and it just blows my And the, some of the great things that came out wow. of it, and I know Leslie, I've talked to you about this, is one of the cool things, we all just jumped in and did it, but like we didn't ask our crew to take part because we were heading into six one-week stops. And for people who don't know, when a tour changes, the crew doesn't get a day off because at the end of the show on that Sunday night, they take the set down, they pack it up, the trucks go to the next city, they go with it, they get up, they start putting the set together. We sh- they sleep and it was on the a- box. Right. That's it. Then they get to the next city and they put it together and we show up and do a sound check and it's all pretty and it looks exactly like it was in the last city. We're like, ooh, magic. But the crew, we didn't ask to do it. And I, I'm always struck by this thing that was a moment that I've told this story so many, many times because it was finally the day that we were doing this at the Uptown Theater. And I guess we thought we were just gonna sing really loud and we're gonna turn the lights on and off. And Larry and Moose and our sound guys and wandered in and they, they cannibalized so cool. like sound equipment and like floor mics. And uh, I remember Moose didn't like the one spotlight. So he went and rented one out of his own pocket. And while we're rehearsing, suddenly lights are happening and sound is happening and our musicians. And, and I remember asking them like, guys, you don't have a day off for six weeks. We didn't want to ask, take off your day. And I, I remember Larry saying, it was important to you guys. So it's important to us. Mm. Oh my God, I didn't know that. I mean, maybe he saw how hard we had worked. We worked at every moment when we weren't doing the show. We and did. We you know, and Adria and I would stay up until two, three in the morning making those posters. Yes. And I rented a car and went out to, you know. Remember I choreographed that dream girl section? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I do. It was so much fun. I remember Michael O'Steen. Michael Osteen directed me and Lisa Dawn and you, Leslie, in the seesaw section. It was just the three of us. And I did It's Not Where You Start, It's Where You Finish with you two. Uh-huh. You did. Nobody does it like me. And you stopped the show just like you did in Cats. It was so funny. We're on the, the wings. You sing Nobody Does It Like Me and you get applause in the middle of the, show, of the song. And we're like, and she has the gift. Um, and well, then was we... like, it was so funny because I said, look, I'm the star, you know, back then I wanted to be one of the gang. I wanted to be one of the kids. And, you know, I, I don't have like a 
diva thing. I so I I said I'll sing that song. I know what I do it for auditions. That's great. Let somebody else do what I did for love. Let somebody else do. I'm telling you, I'm not going. And you know, I'll I'll just I get to do the big song every night. I'll just let somebody else have the spotlight. <laughs> I go out there and do my thing. And you that. stopped the yeah. show again. She can't help it. She did not make you. You can't help it. It ain't your fault. <laughs> I do remember Nikki Renee saying what I did for love and it was so oh, beautiful it was and it was beautiful. she wasn't an, uh, she wasn't a chorus liner so it's not like she had this performance imprinted on her she just did what Nikki Renee does and, and sang and, the song and sang oh, she communicated yeah. what the song was about I want to tell the listeners so this is before anybody did these things and Broadway Cares Equity Fights Aids didn't exist yet. And so there we are making this money. And who are we? Just a company of cats and everything. But the other part of the magic was that we, the PBS station did like so many hours of pro bono work for the community. So they sent a video truck with the three cameras and did a live shoot that's edited down, which is why we have this wait, video. Hold on. Wait, wait, go back. What? You know, we, okay, first of all, you know we have the video. Yeah, of course, yeah, I, ha I have one of those, yeah. This came about because the local PBS station was contacted and they do so many hours of community work because PBS, public broadcasting. And they shot our, our benefit with three that. cameras live. They're like doing a live, they, like, they don't even know what they're doing. Because it looked, I mean, it looks so beautiful. I remember it was like shot so well. And it, it looks like a TV special almost, like... And I, you know, there was so much going on. Jonathan and I were backstage during the show, spray painting shoes gold. <laughs> you know, sewing people into costumes and stuff. The whole thing happened. I mean, I'm talking about backstage cats. And then, mm -hmm. and I had all this time. So I you know, get out of my costume and, and get into my scrubs and just like, spray paint shoes like dozens of pairs of shoes and he and I were mending and trying to trim things down to fit people and so all this other stuff that went on it's like there wasn't time to notice it I don't know how you right. noticed it all Randy it was just it was a flurry of stuff and then when we got to you know and this is all in Kansas City because we had already been out to the costume guy who by the way donated all of those shoes gold right. costumes I the mean, course line finale costumes and, the, and remember the golden black Follies costumes that were all like of the same genre. And so it looked like someone had costumed Follies. It was just, it was incredible how it all came together. And I look back at that and I, I always remember the sense of community that it was. There's our Grizabella making our costumes for us. And there's our crew showing up to make the theater magic that happened. And it, 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 it imprinted on me as a young guy, like, you know, I was 23, I think at the time, it really imprinted on me the idea of, of community. And so when this thing happened and we got the call like a few months ago to do this thing, the first thing I thought of was, God, we, we all feel each other still. We all have this connection. We all have, we know exactly who Deborah Genevere is. We all know who Matt is. We all know who Leslie is. These are who in our lives, it's like our cousins are, and it's just funny to feel that again, because I feel like it's in, imprinted on my DNA. That's very special. Let me tell you what I realized, you know, Matt, you were saying how you think when you're younger, oh, this is the way it's gonna be. Oh, I got it. Yeah. And along those same lines, I thought we were all going to have 
these kind of great bonds and connections. And not always, you know, my, my experience with Hello Dolly from rehearsals and during and going into Broadway, we were all together almost 21 months and nobody left the show. But other than that, like I went into another Broadway show, Chicago the Musical, and it was not, <laughs> Chicago. And it was not quite as warm and loving and wonderful and family. Like you just, I walked in the Schubert. I remember my first night in the show there at the Schubert Theater. I took off my costume after my first performance and everyone was gone, gone. And they weren't mean, but they were just set in their ways. And it was, you know, it was a job in New York City. And, yeah. and it wasn't this magical thing like Cats or, or eventually Dolly was for me. So I, it's really imprinted on me how that. Forest line was same way. It was, it was the same way in what way? They just, they've been there for so long. Here I come in, I'm 19 years old and I'm like, ready to go, you know? I'm just, you know, I'll, I get the show, I'll work real hard. And it's just, you know. Oh, I know, I, when I joined City of Angels and I've made some in, incredible friends. Elizabeth Ward Land is still oh, one of yes. my oh, very dearest friends. I love her, she's great. But when I got to that dressing room, I was like, Hi guys, it's my first Broadway show. <laughs> <laughs> like, Keep it down over there. Uh -huh. You know, yeah. it was it was, uh, it was really hard, but I did make some really great friends, and two of us had joined the cast at that time, so we did things like we surprised them and decorated the whole dressing room for for Halloween, and we kind of I think we got in with them by doing that. Jen Jennifer and I did that. Jennifer Allen and I did that. Well, you know, I, I want to mention about Chicago, I will say, you know, they were they were a little chill to me, although there were some amazing, beautiful, fabulous people like Gregory Mitchell, God rest his soul, who's gone now. But Gregory Mitchell was the best to me. And Mamie Duncan Gibbs, who we all revere, Mamie was so warm to me from the minute I walked in the door. There were some great people there. I do remember, though, you along the lines you were saying, Leslie, is that... Uh, my first night in the show, I, I replaced Bruce Anthony Davis because he'd, he'd broken his arm. And so I was there for a few months. And I was in, I, I was the first person on stage at the top of the overture. And I was in downstage right of the Schubert Theater, which was so special to me. Oh my God, it's the Schubert Theater. And uh, another cast member was there. They turned and looked at me in costume and they went, oh, is this your first show? <laughs> Meaning my first performance with them, with them. Because yeah. I'd done other, the touring company in Chicago. And I said, yeah, I'm excited. And I always remember she paused and went, good luck. Nice. <laughs> so warm. Thanks. Warm. Thank you. <laughs> but warm. anyway. Charmed. 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 But let, I do want to talk about this thing because part of this event that is so special to me, and we've all resonated with it, is... Leslie Ellis has gone back and revisited memory, <laughs> which is a thing for us. And, and Matt Zarley, our pounceful, created the video, which is so awesome. So I did want to ask like about creating this, like Leslie, for you to approach the song again, did anything come back? And I know you used to talk about the pressure of delivering the song every night. And when you came back to re revisit it, well, okay, it was kind of bittersweet when I started, I mean, Jonathan called me in April and I started practicing because he said, you know, I know that you guys did this on your CD because Casey and I did it on our CD and we just made it a different kind of vibe to try and change it up for our new show concept. 
Uh, but he said, probably going to need to do this music theater. I need you to do a musical theater thing here. So I thought, well, shoot, I gotta learn how to sing this song again. You know? <laughs> it's a bitch of a song. So I, I started practicing back in April. And so I was really getting it back into my voice. And as I was going through it, I thought, oh, wow, I wish I'd had more fun. I wish I'd had more fun and could have really relaxed about this because now, not only do I feel the song more because I can say, oh, it was beautiful then. <laughs> You're gorgeous now. It's amazing that when you can have when you have the weight in your, of your life, that you, you can apply to something, and just how much more satisfying it is too for you to play that. Exactly. I mean, you know what? Honestly, I, I can I even see it, and I always thought you were unbelievable. But even on this this little thing that we're doing, this little skit, Hello, like kitty skit, what happens in your eyes says everything. You could not even be singing the note, but what happened, I mean, the, the anguish and the pain and the yearning and the longing, it's like all, it's so present and it's so beautiful. It's really, it's, it makes, it, it's very emotional for me to watch. Thank you, sweetie. Thank, Thank God you. I had you to edit too. <laughs> it wasn't like... Let's talk about editing this. So you oh. get Christine Toy Johnson who sings with Leslie. She was our syllabub and she sings with Leslie. And so you get Leslie's, video and you get Christine's and you created this gorgeous thing. And not, I'm not taking away from Jonathan, but he said, here, take this, Matt. I've seen your work. It's terrific. Go. Like, I trust you. I trust you. Do something with it. Right. You've really well, you know, put a narrative. Randy, well, Randy, you knew. I was, I struggled with it at first. I was like, what am I going to fucking do with this? I don't know if I told you that, Leslie. I can't remember if I told you that. But I was well, like, we I don't know. Different ideas, and you and I were both saying like, "Oh, that's such." I, I thought your ideas were amazing. Like, "Oh yes, we should," you know, relate it to this to today because we're not in costumes. We're not not wearing the. Because originally, I was going to make it more social, not just the theater community, but just the world that we're in. I mean, look at look what's happening. The shit show that we're living in. Ugh. But I think it, I think it was right to not make it political. I didn't want to make it political. It would it, it would have just touched on that as part of the shitstorm that we're living in. But I don't think I this approach to me was a lot more poignant and a lot more suitable for this cause. It was a lot more challenging to find the to find the footage because I I spent probably three days looking for footage. And so I ended up going on the internet and going on like the news. And you know what's amazing how gorgeous it is, is Matt, it, all of the video matches, has the same like sense of color, which by the way, it's just gorgeous. I, I colored it though too. Oh, you, well, then that's your talent too, because that's you bringing your gift. Because you made it all look like this was all freshly made. Like footage. beautiful, but kind of cold, like a little yeah. bit, everything's a little bit chilly. And you did find a ghost light shot for I the did. right moment. I found, <clears throat> I found that shot literally the last day. I was getting ready to like turn it in. I'm like, let me just give one more ghost. Let me just look. And I found that one shot. And that it's so perfect in that moment with you. It's like, it's perfect. Because originally I wanted to end the video with a ghost light. That's how I wanted to sort of, that would be kind of like the, perfect. the bookend. Like that's how I wanted to end it, which I thought would be beautiful. But I think the guy with the mask and the whole thing is is so much more moving. I wanted I wanted that human connection, whether or not they they touch, but I just wanted that connection, you know what I mean? 
I want to add though, the great thing that you did with the video and it's perfect for what Leslie does at the end, because in the show, obviously Grisabella sings, Look a New Day Has Begun. Leslie, you, and I'm not gonna give it away to anyone listening, I want you to go watch the video, but the last phrase of the song is a departure from the show. And it's well, hopeful. It's, it's hopeful. Best word, hopeful is the best word. Yeah, it, we have to be hopeful because- And the way that, I mean, the way that she is looking up and just, and, and her, her eyes are like gleaming and like, it's just a perfect moment. And it's like, that's why I wanted somebody helping somebody. I wanted to be like, leading up to that point, there are moments you're kind of like, oh God. And, the, and if you're in the theater community, it's it's sad, it's heartbreaking, but that is sort of the redemption in that moment. It's a very human, sweet. Yeah. I have to tell you, every one of the cast members, when they saw it, I, I remember we saw it on a Zoom call, some of us that were like planning all of this stuff. And Deb and I both started crying. <laughs> and I realized later, I was explaining to my husband, Michael, part of it is, first of all, I know we're going on and on. Leslie, please don't feel like we're, we're putting on too heavy, but we just all revere you so much. And hearing you do this song again, just hearing it and the timbre and the edge to your voice, it like, it, it's like something that was planted in my DNA a long time ago. Just seeing it, and I watched your body language in it, and the further into the song, you can see just little parts of your body moving. And I'm like, oh, see, that's that's so moving to all of us. I actually rehearsed dropping to the floor and reading the newspaper. <laughs> did you? <laughs> I did. I, I really rehearsed I'm gonna it. Drop. <laughs> I rehearsed it. I really did. And and that that was such a visceral kind of moment for me. I do want to add uh, something you've never heard, Leslie, and it's a memory that came to me. See what I did there? Um, I see what you did there. You know, I had my big number, my six-minute dance number all by myself in the center of the stage and then I'd kill myself and then you would come on Leslie and we're like ooh and I would go sit on the tire you would have your scene I was directly upstage of you in my black stretch velvet sequined costume a couple of times management came to me and they said Randy uh you're right upstage of Leslie and her spotlight is spilling on you. I'm like, oh, great. They're, they're, no, see, you're breathing really heavy. And so we can see your sequins like going up and down. So could you breathe less heavy? <laughs> Which is my... <laughs> so oh, I'm behind you, God. Leslie, staring at the back of your head, responding to touch me and trying really, really hard not to breathe. <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember that. Dance number, okay. <laughs> it always made me laugh because I'm like, like, do you realize what I just did two hours and 40 minutes into this fucking show? <laughs> it did make me laugh every, every night because I was just direct. And, and suddenly I'd never thought of it. And, you know, the whole stage is dark. They drop everything and, and it's just you. But some of your spotlight spilled on me, which I just felt like magic was magic dust anyway. But I always meant to tell you that, Leslie. Yeah, they told me not to breathe heavy because, you know, she's got a number to sing. <laughs> I don't think I could steal the spotlight any way I did. So. Do you guys remember what I did on closing night? Oh, Matt, you were already gone. I was show. gone, yeah. Remember what I did on closing night? Yes, please tell the story. Because I was so sad. And it was like the whole week leading up to it, I was so sad. And people would come to me and go, I don't know what to say. And I'd be like, don't. I can't sing when I'm crying. Don't. So I was out in Philadelphia. We were in Philadelphia. And I found a button that said, don't touch me. 
<laughs> so I put it on my glove. I saw that picture. <laughs> and I walked down the entire receiving line. And I remember getting to people and everybody was bawling. And, and we all reach for your hands. And you, you know, I go down the receiving line and <laughs> I, I, I got to Richard Poole and I went, don't touch me. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Don't touch me. Oh my God. Oh, that was so funny because, you know, touch me. <laughs> I made somebody take a picture of me backstage. I love it. I tried to have a sense of humor about it. It was really exhausting emo emotionally. I was, I was, I got back to New York and I was really, I had to deal with depression and, uh, quite a few emotions from just being entirely burnt out emotionally. I mean, I remember reading an article about Patti LuPone that she would leave the theater, uh, the Winter Garden after Evita, and she would walk to the Oak Bar at the plaza and just start drinking scotch. And at the time, I thought, ooh, that sounds extreme. But when I got to, into doing this role, I thought, I totally get that. I totally get that. When people talk about Whitney Houston and how she kind of reacted to the stress she was under, I, I just say, I totally get it. You're expected to go out there and- And do it exactly the way they hear it on the record every time they- You know how they do it on the record and all the hard notes and you know maybe you're sick or maybe you're exhausted because you've been flying or whatever and nobody cares. You know, you've got to deliver. A lot of pressure. Lot of I remember for me along those same lines, Leslie, when we were closing in Boston, we got extended like another two weeks. And I, as you guys know, was going through a breakup in the company and it was my first real relationship. And, you know, fortunately we, we reconciled and there was a, a wonderful moment between him and me years later, but at the time it was just difficult and physically on my body, dancing in cats oh. and being Mistopheles. Um, it was just a lot. And I remember getting to, to Boston and when they extended us, they said, oh, good news, we're extended. And my brain had said, Randy, you just have to get two weeks from now and, and you get to breathe. And they extended us two weeks and that was a month. And I remember I, I almost felt my body shudder, like, I can't do it. I know. And, and, and I love doing the show. I want to be clear about that. I love doing the show, but it was just two solid years of doing it. And it's it was hard, then that- It's the hardest role in the show. It's the hardest role in the show. Physically. I mean, really, and, that's, yeah. that's ridiculous. And I remember it was the first time I ever gave myself permission. I, there were a couple of nights I called in. I had like two weeks of vacation pay and sick days and everything. And I, Carly, my best friend, had come up to Boston to be with me to get me through these weeks. I mean, really, I don't want to over-dramatize. It was just a lot. And I was a young guy. And I remember giving myself permission to say, I'm taking the night off. I have to break. I just, I just need to breathe because physically on my body, emotionally, it was just a lot. And it was a gift to be able to do it. But I remember it was the first time I ever gave myself that permission to say, okay, maybe going in tonight might not be the best. So when you talk about it, Leslie, I totally know what you mean by that. When I was in Philadelphia, I did the same. And and I didn't drink anything. I didn't drink <laughs> I didn't even drink coffee. I was so worried about not being able to sing that song, you know. And I would sit and watch. And I remember there was a James Taylor concert on that was just like on, you know, whatever the TV channel, like the like cable stuff that was in the apartment in Philadelphia. 
And it was just playing over and over again. And I sat there and on the floor and just watched the James Taylor and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I do think I would be able to handle it so much better now. Because it's like, Me too. I got this. Well, Matt, I wanted to ask you because you left, you made the decision to leave. You were like an adult <laughs> and you were the youngest of us all. Tell me about making that decision. Um, I don't even remember why exactly I left. I would think I was just done. I was like being in the show and then also having to understudy two roles. And I was going on a lot at the end. You know what I mean? And I just was tired too. It was just like a year and a half. I wanted to go home to California. I miss my family. I just want to do something else, really. I loved doing the show. I loved it. But I could never imagine doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the only role that I would ever consider doing would be Rum Tum Tugger, and that would be it. And thank, but thankless, too. Like, I mean, especially me, like, in the dark, killing myself. No one and knew. I have to give you that, Matt. You were this powerhouse dancer and you covered Mungo Jerry, and you covered Mistopheles, and you were going on. Yeah. And that would, where if I'd been the best dancer in the show, which I'm not gonna give myself that, I, there was a bit, I don't wanna use the word thankless because we were all in the show together, but, but I understand the, the sentiment. I got something out of it, obviously, because I was really young. But it would have been hard. But it's thankless. And after a while, it does, it does sort of grate on you a little bit. You're just kind of like, I'm working so hard yet I'm not really getting the gratification and in the end of it but you know like I said I was 17 I thought I should have been the star of the show <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a chorus line on Broadway and then there was Tommy on Broadway and then there was Joseph on Broadway so then there's that. yeah I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain at all I've had a great a great had a great run so and by the way as I recall you you covered the title roles in all three of those shows Okay, maybe you weren't the line, but you 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 did cover. You were the Tommy cover. You were the Joseph cover. You went on, and you were awesome. I saw you do them all. I would love to have seen that. You know what? It's interesting because, like, like you do, Matt. You know, Tommy to me was was the best experience. I mean, to this day, it still is because I got to sing Pinball Wizard every night. I was the pinball lad. So I got to sing the best song in the show. And then I got to understudy the lead. And I got to go on for the lead. So it was like, and the cast was amazing till the end. And there was so much integrity in that show. They were all so involved. Pete Townsend was still coming to the show. He came oh, to my no, first, uh -uh, uh -uh. He, came, he came to my first performance as Tommy. He came no. He did. Uh-uh. Yeah, it was. Oh my God. It was amazing. And doing that show was just, I, I loved it. I loved it. It was a dream. And it was the coolest thing ever. Like when you were in Tommy, I know for me, when I used to tell people, you know, Cats was the coolest thing ever when we did it. Remember when it was a good credit? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Leslie, I don't know if you've heard, but I, I say this all the time when I talk about Cats and my assistant uh, on choreography projects, Cat Murphy loves, she waits for me to say this. I go, back when I did Cats, when it was a good credit, <laughs> um, because when we did, and I, by saying that, I don't mean it's not a good credit today, but when we did it, like five people had done our roles on the planet, like <laughs> on the planet practically. So it was just super cool. So, or really, probably, right? Somewhere in there, because there was the London, London the Broadway, Broadway, the LA, LA, the, the first, first national, national, then us. We were the fifth. Mm -hmm. You guys are so, such powerhouses. 
that I didn't ever know that you could do that you could write the way you do. Look what you've created, Randy, on top of uh, all the other talent. So good too. Isn't it funny how we segue? Isn't it funny how we found Leslie? So you went to Carnegie Mellon. I did. Actress. And then here you are, this awesome recording artist. And Matt, you're both award-winning singer songwriters and recording artists. And like when you go back 30 years ago, did, would you have thought? Who knows what the journey is going to be, but here you are now. I thought I would have had an Oscar by now. <laughs> there you go. I'm kidding. You were raised right. I'm kidding. No, it's funny. Like you just never know where your path is going to take you and what you know what trajectory you're going to end up on. It's just it's if we are all living the life we started when we were 17, that's not. I mean, and that's nothing wrong with that. But also, other things happen. You meet other people. You learn new things. Mm-hmm learn new things about yourself. I mean, the idea that I'm a journalist and I write every day, which is amazing to me. Uh, you thought you were going to be a dancer on Broadway for 14 shows and shit and stuff. God, my back hurts thinking yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, I want to thank you so much for talking about all this stuff and everything. It's been such a an epiphany for me to go back and not relive, but reinvigorate uh, these memories and stuff. Did you see what I did there, memories? And so, it's been so much fun. And both of you are such touchstones for me, for the experience. And you know, Leslie, Matt and I are the ones that after six weeks of rehearsals in New York City, and then 10 days of tech in West Point, we got to Atlanta, we opened, everyone should have been tired and we were there and on our day off, Matt and I found a local dance studio because we're going to go take class oh, on our day off from guests. And we did. And they we didn't did. know what to and do we with us. We weren't going to. We did. We did. We did. And they did not know what to do with us either. <laughs> These two I, boys I walking into this. Lot. I did that a lot. I don't know why. But it was fun. It was fun. We laughed. Well, as they say in the South, and you know this, Randy, laugh. <laughs> would oh not be today thank you so much guys for doing this i really oh, appreciate it oh my pleasure honey my pleasure i love you guys love, love you. you again i want to say thanks to leslie and matt for having time to chat and reminisce about those cats days I'll have links in the show notes to not only the full presentation that will be up only through October 28th, but also the segment that Matt brilliantly produced featuring Leslie Ellis singing Memory. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't mind sharing this with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news, only shorter. Usually. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. Just a few things, folks. Please remember to wash your hands frequently, wear a face mask when you're out in public, and socially distance. Take care of yourselves. I'm going to close this episode with just a bit of Leslie Ellis's new spectacular take on memory from the video segment produced by Matt Zarley, featured in With Love, Now and Forever, Cats for COVID Relief. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. Oh
Just wait.